Hi there, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and once again, I'm not wearing a shirt, but I have positioned the camera so that Luke can't see my nipples. I am wearing a shirt because even when it was hot here, and when Ryan was mocking me for it not being that hot here, it is equally as hot in the US right now, and it apparently is too hot to think, so. It's very hot. My computer is very upset. I apologize for any fan noises. Do you apologize to mock for mocking me when it was the same temperature? I don't apologize for mocking you because you're like, okay. ooh, ooh my, it's 75 degrees <laughs> and it's too hot because my whole city is full of stones, you know? <laughs> Everything's made of brick here. I'm really tempted to do a Boston accent back at you, but I haven't, I haven't tried it in a few months and I don't know where it went. Every time up. you do, you sound like a Scottish goblin. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, this week, we're talking about OnlyFans. Uh, we thought we had a whole idea of what this episode was going to be like, and then OnlyFans announced that they were reversing their entire decision to end uh, the support of explicit content in October. So we're going to go through the whole thing. But before we get to that, hey, well, Luke, hang on. Can I just say I'm really looking forward to talking about OnlyFans because I know that every time we say OnlyFans, I just want you to be thinking about having a fan that would blow cold air onto you. Well, I, was, I thought you were going to say, and therefore we're going to spend the we're going to no, we're going to spend the entire show talking about fans, and you're not going to have a fan. I thought you were going to say that I should start an OnlyFans because I'm not wearing a shirt right now, and you know it's no, no. I just want you to think about oh. having a fan there in that extremely hot room. Hey Luke, how uh, how was the internet this week? Um, uh, the internet was uh, I don't know what the best way to describe it. Maybe simmering. Uh, like mm. there was quite a lot of anger. It was directed in a bunch of different ways, but also it was kind of simmering's not quite right because it felt like it was getting back up to speed. Like it felt like the cycles were happening at the right time. Like everyone was mad in the right like cadences. Not like in a good way, but in the, in a familiar way. Like it felt kind of familiar internet. Yeah, I and I don't mean this to minimize it, but like with the whole Washington Post Indian food fiasco, that to me felt like okay, like we know what we're doing here. We're gonna go yeah. after this guy, and he's not really gonna apologize or get it, and and then that's gonna be the whole thing. And as idiotic as it was, it was like okay, like we're we're coming out of the summer. We're ready to get back into it. Let's pick a columnist and let's go after him. And yeah. I thought that was, you know, that was nice. That was good energy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was good internet energy. I have a question about internet energy that I was hoping you could explain. Hit me. So there are two things happening, basically on leftist Twitter, and like, it's weird. I monitor the far right internet a lot, so I understand where they all sort of mobilize and how they operate. But with leftist Twitter, I don't really get it as much. And so there's two things that have popped up on my radar that I was hoping you could explain as the unofficial representative of leftist Twitter. Can you explain what the blob is? And can you also explain why everyone is talking about Havana syndrome as like being a big hoax now? Because these do, these things both seem connected, right? Or no? These, I mean, no. These are, these are unconnected things that just happen to affect the same people. I see. Okay. So 
I can start with the blob, which is, uh, I mean, it's the swamp, essentially. Like, well, it's not quite the swamp. It's, it's, I guess it's, the blob is the foreign policy. Basically, one of the big issues with American politics is that foreign policy does actually not differ that much between parties, even while domestic policy differs like, radically. Foreign policy is like they kind of understand, like basically everyone agrees who the bad guys and the good guys are, and everyone basically agrees how to deal with them. Yes. Which, you know, is why America can have forever wars that last 20, 30 years. Uh, despite like being a Democrat or Republican office and different types of Democrat and different, different types of Republican, because like it's very hard to make like a, a left turn on this stuff because right. basically all of the experts agree. Uh, so it is, it is kind of, I mean, it's, it's probably unfair to like Hillary Clinton, but Hillary Clinton would be the archetypal person who is, has the, has blob mindset on foreign policy. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's other people. It's also like, I don't know, uh, like Robert Gates, like people like that, uh, who have like yeah, a, a central understanding of foreign policy that differs a little bit from each other, but basically understands the same goals, the same players and the same thing. And the most interesting person in this scenario is probably Ben Rhodes, okay, who was uh, um, Obama's foreign policy advisor. Uh, he came in 2008. and was one of the few guys who went like the whole way through with Obama. Uh, and like by the end of it, uh, you know, Obama very much thought that the two of them were very in sync. Like they, okay. they had like very similar thoughts on things. <laughs> ben Rhodes obviously is now on Pod Save America because that's 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 what the Obama people do. But the the blog is bigger than that because the whole point is is that you join, you are indoctrinated, uh, and then you leave. But there is still enough of it that whoever arrives, regardless of like how big and um, grandiose and revolutionary ideas are particularly on foreign policy they end up subsumed into the blob's blob's goals i see okay and ben rhodes was very much a person who said i'm not going to be this guy i'm not going to be a blob person i have other thoughts on this i'm going to do different things uh, like notoriously he 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 uh had an mfa in creative writing that was what he how he got into the obama white house okay which is fun and you know he was a little different and a little tried to do different other things and then he pretty much did the same thing as everyone else got subsumed by the blob okay exactly but then by 2016 uh there was a profile written of him and i want to say i was going to say new york map i don't think it was it might have been the new york times magazine uh that sounds right or maybe the, it was new york or the new york times magazine it was one of the two uh and they kind of like like spoke to him and he was very critical of the idea of the blob and then everyone kind of went back on him and kind of point out that he both was part of the blob and yeah i mean I, I, actually i think i'm trying sorry I, I, i'm trying to remember this i did read the benner's book not that long ago i think in that profile he actually introduced the term the blob so i think that was the first use of it but it was very much the idea of a permanent establishment that he saw himself or he and obama saw themselves as like the the antidote to Yes, the and blob then it vaccine. It just okay. wasn't the antidote at all. So wait, I woke up this morning to a tweet quoted into like quoted into my feed that reads: "Some absolutely ridiculous things being written about the so-called blob. There is no monolithic blob on Afghanistan. Going on my own interactions, centrist think tanks have some critical of withdrawal. Others supporting it. Not sure about percentages, but it seems roughly equal. And then everyone pointed out the the person who wrote this." 
<laughs> is a senior is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute. So <laughs> they yes. are they are part of the blob. Um, and it, and it, the blob. Okay, so this explains some things to me because I I've been seeing more and more like op eds appear in different publications that are like all of the things needed for for smart cars are buried underneath Afghanistan, and the Chinese are going to get all the lithium that we need for our batteries. <laughs> and it's like. Oh, the blob wants to go back. The blob really wants, like, I'm watching this all get seeded around. It's very strange. I mean, kind of, this is the problem with the blob, though, is that it, it, it always arrives at a kind of centrist position. And weirdly, what Biden's done is probably the least centrist thing that you could do, which is pull out into hell with it. Like, the centrist position is essentially what's the, the blob position on Afghanistan. It's the same as it has been for years, which is just stick around, try not to make it too bad but don't send enough people in to kind of, like, change it. Like, remember when Obama talked about the surge into Afghanistan to, like, deal with it? Yeah. Which was, it was not that many people. I'm going to look up how many, um, like, soldiers actually was, because it was not a huge number. Um, oh, it's 33,000 troops. Which, considering the Afghanistan, Afghanistan, sorry, uh, not Afghanistan, Afghanistan, was supposed to have 300,000 soldiers. 33,000 soldiers was not a lot. It turned out it didn't have 33,000, 300,000 soldiers because there was a lot of corruption there and most of those soldiers weren't real, but... (laughs) Okay, wait, wait. Okay. I've got the idea of the blob. So why did everybody come up with Havana Syndrome as... Sorry, I think there was like a new case of it reported, but like, I guess what I was interested in is like how it like immediately became like fake. Which I feel like is a new development in in leftist discourse. The the complete assumption that it's like a CIA operation to like invent a reason to attack Cuba or Russia or whatever the hell. I'm trying to think of like the best way to explain Havana syndrome from the concept of like fake or not. Like what the the closest analog to it is. So I've read a bunch about it just out of sheer curiosity. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about basically uh people involved in 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 statecraft overseas working for the US have reported strange weird incidents in which they were either being followed by people connected to the Russian government or working on something that may have been critical of the Russian government and then all of a sudden they have strange headaches that last forever and one of the best pieces i actually read about havana syndrome was a look at whether or not it was sort of not being talked about during the Trump era because the CIA at the time was terrified of of like dealing with Trump. That was that was sort of a take I, I had read in like a fairly reputable outlet. But basically, no one knows what this is. There's there's but there's a ton of people who claim that they, they, they you know they are completely screwed up from some sort of mysterious microwave weapon or whatever it is, and we still don't have any any explanation for what it is. But what I thought was interesting is just like all of a sudden, I mean, what's interesting about that, what's interesting about that is you've kind of picked up the Russia thing there, which yeah. I wouldn't have considered to be a major part of this at all. Oh, interesting. And everything I have read. Wow. I didn't think we'd have different opinions about this. Yeah. And everything I've read, it's been connected to Russia. And the reason why it hasn't been fully investigated as what it is, was because the Trump administration was so pro Russia that, that the, um, the CIA didn't want to deal with it during a Trump administration. Yeah, so I would say it's it's slight. So the Russian responsibility thing is like definitely a thing. Like a lot of people assume this must be Russia because there's something weird happening. But basically, the central, the facts as they stand are that 
a bunch of diplomats in Cuba, in Havana, in Cuba, uh, and this is both American and I think Canada as well, and I think there may be another country, like Italy or something. Some, some other countries got like a, had a couple of cases of it as well. Um, obviously, America has the most people there, so they've had the most people affected by Hell it. Hell yeah. I have described... Weird... America's number one in mysterious microwave technology <laughs> incidents. Hell yeah. <laughs> but they've basically described weird experiences and weird illnesses, which involve some sort of ringing in the ears... Uh, headaches, uh, like it's not kind of like serious stuff. It's not like death, but there's you know he's ah. one guy. One guy I read a case of says he's completely debilitated, and he and he and it was part of his like workers' comp thing. He wanted the CIA to pay for the fact that he like can't function properly anymore, and that all these CIA agents were coming forward, being like, "We don't have any medical support for whatever that." has happened to us that 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 was the context that i had first read about it in yeah uh, and this initially happened in havana and then also appears to have happened to other cia agents in other places oh actually you know exactly what it is it is like chronic lime that's yeah. the exact metaphor for it where it's like look there's something going on here we don't know what it is we don't know if everyone who has this is like telling 100 the truth we don't know if some of this is psychosomatic we don't know if there's some other thing going on here there's something happening but we just cannot figure out what, nor can we figure out like where we should even be looking for this. So, the, like, the, is the it a weapon? Is there some weird vi- Is there some like weird virus in the water, or bacteria in the water they're drinking? That's like, yep, this is weird. So the uh, the piece that I first sort of read about this in was last year. I had heard about it, but the big piece I read last year was a piece in GQ titled "The Mystery of the Immaculate Concussion." And it framed it as something very closely tied to Russia, something that wasn't being dealt with by the Trump administration because of their closeness to Russia. And a thing where a lot of CIA agents who were reporting it weren't getting any sort of medical help for it. And they wanted workers comp. So it was really interesting where it was like it was coming from that direction which actually makes sense in america because like our health insurance is so fucked up that like if there is a mysterious microwave weapon that's scrambling their brains the first question is will my insurance cover it (laughs) (laughs) which i feel like is being left out of a lot of but but what i i guess to, to bring it all the way back to what we were talking about is i just thought it was fascinating that this week a bunch of people connected to like what i would consider bread tube or leftist twitch all immediately were like boo hoo havana syndrome's not real and it's like you know i i I think it sounds extremely fantastical if it was real, but I thought it was weird that it just all immediately pivoted into that, which is fascinating yeah. to me. But like, this is also a thing that 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 happens. Like the there was okay, so there was an incident in early two thousands um, where basically a guy they they thought that someone had sprayed some sort of chemical weapon into a subway station in. Uh, I don't know, it's East Coast somewhere, like, I don't know, Philadelphia, whatever it was. Um, they, they sprayed window cleaner into a sub, subway station. Like, it turned out to be nothing. Oh, yeah. And, and then, but like, they had to treat like 30, 40, 50 people for this thing. And, and, and the, the, you know, people came forward with symptoms that were not, you know, they weren't the same as, as Havana syndrome, but it was, you know, feeling sick. Uh, feeling tired, uh, pains, mysterious pains, all that sort of stuff. Because they were like, yeah, there was something here. And it that's why kind of the leftist position on it has become a bit like, right, but this seems fake. This seems like CIA agents being like, 
something's happening, don't know, and panicking because like it's not like the like, CIA agents aren't special in that way. Like they're obviously highly trained and all that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if they're because if people around you are doing a thing, eventually you're going to be like, well, there's something happening here. That's and how it, COVID works. When right. the government made up COVID <laughs> to keep us all inside. That's right. But equally, it feels like there is enough that there is something happening. Not all the cases are real, potentially. Maybe the cases come from different things. Maybe some of them are real for a different cause. But no one really can figure out what the original cause is. And without being able to say, like, oh, it was this microwave transmitter or it was this bacteria, there's not really a, a solution. So, so as a result, anyone can say they have it. Like, this particular one, there was an extended period where they thought that it was caused by crickets. Should we, should we get Havana syndrome? I mean, I've got a headache off this conversation. So, uh... I mean, I, you know, I travel enough. What if, what if not I get Havana, it? Not to Havana though. Uh, no, that's true. Not yet. Talking of extremely strange things to happen in countries that, uh, America <laughs> has odd relationships with, uh, we've had a really strange, few weeks here uh because we are running into basically our supply chains are collapsing dude same here too actually really yeah it's crazy um you know because right now basically no one is working anywhere uh which there are you know differing theories on why that could be it's either there just aren't a lot of people you know anymore (laughs) or that people have decided they don't want to work in horrible conditions or whatever it is but then also like different foods are running at like like we are sort of at a moment where the supply chain is, I'm beginning to notice it in my daily life where like things are just not functioning. Right. We have all of that plus Brexit. Right. Which was already fucking up your supply chain by the time I left. Like you hadn't exactly. even fully Brexit. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> this is not going to be a fun decade. <laughs> sorry to, sorry to laugh at your country's misfortune. I'm sorry, but you, no, no, I, I laughed all the time. You, you did uh, it yourselves that, you know, so, okay. So we we can play this clip on the show because, uh, I think, I think this clip is something you need to listen to. It's, it's a perfect report. Oh, I'm so happy you sent this. So I saw this in my Twitter feed and I was like, I need to deal with this at some point, but I'll wait to see if Luke sends this to me because I don't want to look at this first thing in the morning. Okay. So this is titled ITV news, making the McDonald's milkshake shortage out to be a global pandemic. Three crying while laughing faces. Here we go. You don't expect to happen. Two strawberry milkshakes, please. Uh, no milkshakes. No, no milkshakes. Sorry. We saw how the McDonald's <laughs> milkshake shortage was affecting others. <laughs> what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Go, Wait. The ice cream shop are on the corner. Probably go get me the ice cream shop. Just got to try and figure it out all by yourself, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I actually tried to order a milkshake because I always get milkshakes and I come to McDonald's and there's a shortage. How do you feel? Just drop. Just drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I love it! I love it so much. That's it's so fucking perfect. Oh man, there's just something really special about the like the lack of news in England. Like, there's just something like really, you know, like there's like a, obviously a ton of news, but without the culture to like go do it. You just end up getting these completely bizarre stories about, like, this or... I mean, or... It's, it's that, but it's also because we don't have the kind of visual and aesthetic language to deal with the lighthearted thing at the end of the news in quite the same way. 
Right. as a result, they're like, this is a big, serious story, which it is, to be clear. Like, every, sure. every, it's getting progressively worse, and this is like Canary and the Coal Mine stuff. But <laughs> they're just like, I can't believe you don't have milkshake. I'm distraught. Because they're like, well, we've got to make this work somehow. And it, yeah, it just like you don't, you, don't, you guys don't have like the culture of like, here's Frisbee, the Frisbee catching dog, and he's yes. gone viral. Instead, you guys are like, we made a professional person in our office drive around to different McDonald's and see if he can buy a milkshake and then interview at least three <laughs> people about it, which I think is yes. a very good way to make sure you have well-sourced stories. You know, at least three sources. That's what the New York Times requires. So. Yeah. Talking to the New York Times, I have a New York Times piece to talk about as well. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Which is... So we spoke about this guy on the show. Uh, I maybe must have been a year ago now. This guy Dom. No, no, it was in the it was in it was probably six months in the winter, right? Okay, it's hard it's hard to tell time. Yeah, uh, Dar Man is who we're talking about. Yeah, who basically um, does videos on YouTube and Facebook that are kind of modern fables, uh, which is they're very clickbaity, very openly kind of. Basically, the, the punchline of all of them is that the person who is wronged at the start of it becomes rich. Like, that right. is the entire thing. Uh, this person uh, broke up with this guy because he didn't get them a good enough handbag. Now that person is a billionaire. And it's like, sh- technically, sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and it it's tricky. But what's fascinating about this is that the main whole of the piece is like going through, you know, where he's come from, and there's a lot of you know, bits and pieces about, like, various things. And there's a few really interesting bits in it. The number one thing is that he has an entire studio to make these things. And it's 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 big. Uh, it is... Uh, yeah, he has a, he has two 60,000-foot sound stages. That's uh, fucking crazy. <laughs> what? Yeah. And he bought Khloe Kardashian's mansion. Okay. This is actually a very good segue into something that has sort of like shifted my entire understanding of the world in such a <laughs> profound way that the fact that we haven't talked about it in the show yet, I think, has probably been confusing for people because like it has changed my my attitude deeply. So I found out basically the hours and the compensation that Logan Paul's production team was getting, was doing, right? Okay. And I learned how big the production team was. Which is a lot. It's like, it's basically like a, 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 it's basically like a small film studio. And I, I feel like the most radicalizing, red pilling thing that has ever ha- like learning about what these influencers like require in terms of production support has like completely changed my life to the point where now like I can't actually f- understand what a digital media outlet is anymore. Like, yeah. like, like I, I couldn't sit down and be like, Oh, this is what goes on inside of a digital media website. Because why, why, why have a brand? If Logan Paul has like 25 people being paid like professional level salaries to make content all day under for, for him. Like, I yes. don't understand. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. It is absolutely wild, like, the, the scale of the stuff that goes into this. Like, uh, sorry, sorry. One last thing on this. Because, I, I, seriously, what, like, what is Vice? Like, what is something like Vice in a world? <laughs> like, like, what, like, if your website 
has less than 20 people full-time working for it, which is many websites. Many real websites that you go to probably have a staff of 20 to 30 people. How are you better than Logan Paul or PewDiePie? You see what I'm like, like, I, I, anyways, okay, continue, continue. Yeah. Uh, so he then goes through all this stuff about like how it's, you know, there's a lot of deep universal collect connections. Like all these people are like, are like, like everyone can see the same story and this stuff is really important, but he's only been doing this properly since 2018. So it's incredibly new relatively. Uh, and then he just like jumps into this sequence, which I see in every single one of these profiles of someone now where they just drop a load of like, I have just optimized how I do things like automatically without really thinking about it. And then it's just like, yeah, if a thumbnail has someone crying or someone overexpressive or zooms into a face, it's going to do better. If I use images of people that look a little bit different, like had a girl with a bald head as my thumbnail and she shaved her head because she was someone that was dealing with cancer, or I just subconsciously gravitate towards these things. That's important to get a lot of views. Which is essentially the explanation of all of the internet in one go. Like, yeah, yeah. This, person look, this person looks different and therefore people watch it. Yeah, I mean, people really want to see why women shave their heads. I know that, I mean, but that is a thing. Like, it, it goes across cultures. Yeah. And, like, I feel like with someone like Darman, because he's producing videos on Facebook that are largely, like, not audio dependent and they're being consumed by international audiences, like, you start to unlock, like, the visual language of the human like the of of like humanity and it and it turns out it's really dark and like kind of low like very yeah. low level like very low value um so there's actually this exact thing comes up in the next paragraph which is that people he says people ask why his content is too on the nose or it's a bit cringe or why its dialogue is so direct and he's like oh it's intentional so that children can understand but also people who don't speak english can understand so Okay, I feel like we've tap danced around this for a little bit, and it's probably worth like talking about here, which is that like that is a large chunk of why Facebook video is so weird. Yeah, it's because the people who are making it are making it specifically. In fact, I will not say in what context this happened, but I know that there was a meeting that Luke and I were both in, in which we were told that the future of video storytelling would be post language, in which you created yeah. videos that. Um, could be consumed by anyone anywhere, regardless of whether they could speak English or read English or anything, and that all video would be like this one day. Which you could argue, I guess, Marvel movies kind of are, but you know what I mean. I mean, I mean yeah. I, I, my kind of instinct at the time was like, no, no, what works is that when things are really specific and really resonate with people, they have much more power and they kind of like the relationship between likelihood to watch and likelihood to share and all that stuff is, is a lot better if it's more specific, but it turns out I don't have a Chloe Kardashian's mansion. So I guess I was wrong. I I'm getting there with garbage day. I plan to remove more and more words until it is just totally understandable by anybody and is a Facebook video channel. I, that's what I, I'm, I'm going to pivot to video. I th which, which, which Kardashian's mansion are you going to get? Uh, I'm going to let them pick which one I take. <laughs> well, gang... It happened again. 
a platform got super popular off the labor of sex workers. And when they decided they wanted to be a quote unquote real website, they threw all of those sex workers under the bus. We're talking about OnlyFans. Just this afternoon, basically, OnlyFans announced that they would be reversing the decision they made last week and that they... I'll, I'll read it here. So the, here's the tweet. So OnlyFans tweeted out today, thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. We have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1 policy change, which would have made explicit content against their terms of service. OnlyFans stands for inclusion, and we will continue to provide a home for all creators. So they basically caused a big hullabaloo by announcing they were going to kick all the sex workers out. Then they did a round of press where they blamed banks and financial institutions for it, and then today announced that they were going to reverse that decision. But they didn't say forever. They just said they're suspending that decision. So it could happen yeah. in the future. I mean, it, it sounds like it sounds like they definitely don't want it to happen, and they're saying suspended because... I don't know. I don't. I don't get the sense that it's going to happen in three months instead. Although it should be pointed out that a bunch of sex workers have already lost significant income and followers as a result of this, because OnlyFans can get shit together quick enough. Also, just like if you have a community of sex workers, any time that you expose them like that, they're going to be attacked, harassed, abused. Like they're, you know, they were all thrown under the bus, and there was like an entire internet celebration by weird like Twitch simp's that they weren't going to like have OnlyFans women anymore, which is insane because like they're the ones paying them in the first place. Yeah. And it was just like completely unnecessary. But I guess like to kick things off, like what is OnlyFans without sex workers? Like what is the site? And, 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 and what is the point? Oh, it's Patreon, isn't it? But so, okay. I actually did look this up. I wanted to see like what, what the differences of the services were. Cause part of me was also just like, maybe OnlyFans is where like we should be putting post, post credit scene, you know, who knows? <laughs> Whatever. Um, so OnlyFans allows, uh, pay per view messaging. So like if you are an OnlyFans creator, people can pay you to text with you. Interesting idea. It also has a tipping mechanism, which Patreon doesn't have. Patreon has tiers. So you can do like subscription tiers that can be as high or low as you want. But OnlyFans has like a full on tip jar. But other than that, it's pretty much an identical service or use case. Although I do feel like OnlyFans is a little more catered to like an individual, whereas Patreon makes more sense for brands. But I could also just be making that up. Yeah, I mean, Patreon have always said, have, have said for a long time that you know it's actually about like cooking videos and all the other stuff, and it just it, it frankly isn't. And there's no. something very weird about the fact that they've never steered into it and just kind of gone like, mm, don't know whether should we do this? Probably not. Should we? I don't know. They're very odd. Um, I also think it's really important that the BBC basically immediately after they announced this dropped the investigation they said had done this, which did not seem to be what had done it. No, that's very odd because in America, the blame is going towards Nick Kristoff and the weird evangelical anti-porn crusaders that he platforms in all of his anti-porn pieces. Right. So yeah, the BBC dropped basically an investigation that said along the lines of, uh, the content moderation documents deliberately meant that they took a very uh, light approach to moderation, which included allowing uh, content that should definitely be banned not to be banned and also raise the possibility of, for, in for instance, child porn. 
Uh, and they said that, you know, under 18s were intermittently appearing in explicit videos, which was the, the primary thing. And they said, this is why. And it's one of those things where it's like, sure, no, this is definitely a an issue that there is a failure of moderation because I mean, there's not been a failure of moderation on a platform, but they seem to be moderate better than many other platforms. But then they, they then claim this is why they're getting rid of porn, which was just clearly not true. No, not at all. In fact, uh, we, we, have a, we have an answer for what happened here, and I can read it. Um, that's also like, that's so BBC to be like, this we investigation this. that we spend a lot of money and resources on that no <laughs> one in America has heard of is definitely the reason this thing is happening for a completely different reason. Um, so the Financial Times had a interview with OnlyFans founder Tim Stokely, uh, which was published uh, yesterday. The change in policy, we had no choice. The short answer is Banks, Stokely, who is also the company's chief executive, told Financial Times. We pay over 1 million creators $300 million every month, and making sure that these funds get to creators involves using the banking sector, he said. And he said that, for instance, the Bank of New York Mellon would flag and reject every single wire connected to the company, basically having... Like every time they wanted to pay a, a creator on their site, they would have to go in and one by one be like, not a sex worker, not a sex worker, not a sex worker. And I guess JP Morgan Chase was particularly aggressive in going after sex workers or any business that supports sex workers. Although here's an interesting fact for you. I, I literally just wrote about this today uh, because of OnlyFans. I started getting curious, like, okay, how does Pornhub like, you know, continue? Uh, Pornhub in 2011 received 350 million dollars from 125 secret investors one of which was jp morgan chase so jp morgan chase <laughs> was an investor in pornhub and is now very aggressive against OnlyFans. i wonder why that is that is actually really interesting and more of a that is that is, i i mean yeah like all these platforms have a problem uh, patreon's no Patreon, Patreon. Why say Patreon? Patreon is. No you different. say pa you say Patreon, and it's charming when you do. So you can, I mean, you can say however, however you're comfortable. You know, Patreon, Substack, all of the subscriber, subscriber friendly uh, platforms uh, have an approach to this that suggests that they're empowering workers and yes. allowing everyone to make their own money, and that's obviously only partly true. Like they are, but only in the same way that you know, you paying rent to a market stall and allowing you to set up the market stall means you can sell your things which is like cool true but if the market decides they no longer want you there you're done and it's yeah and so there is like a there is a, a slight imbalance there like it's an it's a different imbalance from kind of salaried employees um and there's also you know if you are a, a for example a twitch streamer uh, who espouses leftist politics and then buys a two and a half million dollar house uh that causes an awful lot of problems <laughs> Uh, Wait, did you miss this? No, I'm kidding. I know. Um, okay. <laughs> so I would, I would, okay. I would liken it to this, right? It, uh, <laughs> okay. There's a common store in American malls called Spencer's Gifts. Okay. Spencer's Gifts is like you walk in there and it's black lights and they sell like wrestling belts and uh, like strobe machines and bongs and like minions t-shirts. It's like a, it's like a junk party store. But they I was, also... was going to say, I was going to say, oh, it's like a, and then you start the British version. We don't have that. That's just not a thing we have. Okay, so this is this would be like a store that you go to when you're like organizing a frat party or like 
you know, a, a bachelor party if you're a trash person. <laughs> like, it's kind of that. <laughs> um, novelty. We call them novelty stores. Spencer's Gifts sells dildos. They sell vibrators, dildos, sex toys, along with, Shit. like, insane clown posse t-shirts and, like, and like a, a mask that's also a bong that you, like, wear on your head. That kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And that's totally fine. In fact, growing up, my, my local mall had two different stores that basically did that. One was Spencer's Gifts and one was like a knockoff Spencer's Gifts. The mall's totally cool at that. But if you yeah. wanted to go into the mall and rent out a shopping space and then make it like dildos are us and you only sell dildos there and pornography, they're probably not going to let you do that. And I feel like that's exactly how most platforms think about this, which is like if you want to be Okay, it's like it's like Twitch. It's like, okay, we've decided that women can be in hot tubs and they can do like beach streams, but they have to wear clothes and the and and it can't be like softcore pornography. It just has to be a beach stream. You know, like they have to like set this weird arbitrary thing because like yeah. if it's if it's a hundred percent about sex, all of a sudden it changes the entire meaning of it. Or it's like Facebook saying you can have Nazis but not too many Nazis. <laughs> right. You can no no no. You can be a non Nazi who platforms, profiles, and focuses on almost exclusively Nazi content. <laughs> but if you are a Nazi, that's different. Yeah, cool. That makes a lot of sense. So, so your, your, your store can sell dildos if it's also selling bongs and wrestling <laughs> t-shirts, but your store can't just sell dildos. Um, that's the American uh, concept of business right there. I, I think I, – I really think it's the banking thing. Like I think it was so much a big deal. Like – so many of these platforms are built because they initially think it's, well, let's see if anyone uses it. And then they keep using it, keep using it, keep using it. And then suddenly it's big. And then suddenly they, you know, uh, the MasterCard, I think, was their, their provider, suddenly discovers that, hey, this company is putting like millions of dollars through our platform. And we now have to make a decision of, are we cool with this? Because, you know, if you were, I don't know selling guns to Taliban. If you sell one gun, you're probably all right. If you're selling millions of dollars worth of guns, they're going to be like, hey, we have to have a conversation about this. Uh, if you're going to do this, you need to use bank accounts, like, like, like a normal state. Not no, <laughs> if you want to sell guns to the Taliban, you have to go get a defense contract like everybody else. Yes, you can't just, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just use PayPal. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, hey, you know, Bitcoin can fix it. <laughs> uh, if you yeah. want to sell guns to the Taliban, Bitcoin can fix it. Um, yeah, I, I think it is banks, but I think it I think it is really interesting. I guess like this is a this is a very instructive incident for me because I watched this and I was like, wow, if something like Mastercard can put so much pressure on OnlyFans, a site that has basically cornered the market on, let's say, not safe for work user generated content. Yeah, and pressured them to the point to throw that away. What other things are financial institutions or banking uh, systems like influencing? And I don't, and, and that's a very <laughs> weird question because we are not that kind of podcast. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I do not believe in the storm. I do not believe in the cabal. I do not, you know, none of that. But I do think it is interesting that like the internet has become a shopping mall and we have allowed like basically a handful of financial companies to determine like how that money works and how that money flows. And then they work with big, well, it's not just money. 
it's not just money. That's the thing because it is everything. The, the, the internet has become a incredibly diverse and complicated place, but there are a small number of companies that have its tendrils, have their tendrils in the entire thing. So for example, uh, every now and again, a, someone will move the wrong button in a server somewhere and half of the news websites in the, in the country, in the, in the world will go down for a few right. hours. And they'll be like, sorry, we had a CDN issue. Uh, it'll be back up a few hours. And it's like, that seems bad. It seems like there shouldn't be a button anywhere that does that. Um, but it, it's kind of the decentralization of the internet has simultaneously meant the centralization of the services around it. But because those services are almost exclusively privately run, not state run, it's not like the water. Like, yeah, if the water goes off in a street, all the businesses in that street go like, hey, we have no water. Power is probably a bad one. Like, hey, we have no power. We can't open today. But rather than being like, hey, the government's failed to do this, that's what we pay our taxes for. It's like, hey, this private company's failed to do this. And private, the private company goes like, oh, you know what? We've got a way day today. Uh, our engine is <laughs> off. You guys can't do business until after the weekend. And it's, 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 it's a holiday weekend, so Tuesday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Sorry, that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of pounds. There's nothing you can do about it. Not our problem. Nothing. So, okay, that's a very good segue. Sorry, everybody. We got to talk about the blockchain now. <laughs> okay. So the immediate reaction, this is not just me. This is not just like, this is not just like crypto Ryan coming out and being like the blockchain, the immediate reaction to OnlyFans announcing they were going to get rid of not safe for content where people saying like, when are they going to build a blockchain porn site? The answer is they exist. Many people have tried it. Many people have done it. I found one that uses like crypto tokens called like booty tokens that you exchange for like ass tokens or something. And then you get like a whole bunch of stuff. And then the rapper Tyga announced that he's launching a crypto one. It It, it is unfortunate to me because blockchain, I think, is actually one of the worst technologies for publishing. As someone who's been using it recently to publish, it is a terrible technology to publish because it's permanent. Yeah, But it does feel to me like there's an absolute need for decentralized banking, but it sucks that it's the blockchain because <laughs> it's just not – it's not, I think, what people think it is. It's, so, it's super complicated and like the, the benefit of OnlyFans was just like you load up your credit card and then you just like can interact with a sex worker that you like. And that, that is just not going to ever maybe be the case with crypto. It's just way too complicated. Did the U.S. ever have a, a, an equivalent channel to Babe Station? Uh, I'm not sure. Tell me more about it. <laughs> tell me, hey Luke, tell me about the Babe Station. <laughs> so, Babe Station was. I'm gonna say it was Channel Four, just because I feel like it's simply was Channel Four. But honestly, I can't remember what channel it was. It might have been five. It might have been like an, a, a, a purely digital channel. But basically, it was at like 2 a.m. Suddenly. Maybe it was an entirely separate channel. Actually, now sorry, this is <laughs> this is not me performatively not remembering it. This is genuinely me not remembering it. Um, okay, right, no, okay, that's it. So it was an entirely separate channel that existed on on Freeview. So it was free to air, but only if you had a, a, like a digital box. Uh, okay. Basically, it only showed between certain hours in the evening, but involved a woman wearing underwear. Looking seductively at the, the 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 camera while talking on the phone and pretending you could ring them to say things to them. 
and obviously you'd ring up and then there would be an enormous queue and no one would ever actually speak to them and they would it would cost like five pound to go a minute on the phone line this is such a bizarre combination of things we had in the 90s but it's not <laughs> any it's not like exactly what we had but it's like four different things that we had that you've combined into like a very like specific and bizarre thing no we didn't we we never had this we had we had phone sex lines obviously sure we had uh pay-per-view pornography and then there was the whole concept of scrambled porn which uh like if your family had cable but they didn't pay for the porn station if you went to the very top of the channels you could start to see i think it was called the spice network and it was a scrambled channel that uh i never looked at um but you you would have to sort of you learn about it from that that scene in american pie you'd have to guess like is that a nipple was that a clavicle like what's going on there uh and then we did have like you know maybe there were channels where you could call like women in underwear and look at them on tv but i don't i I don't remember that I, i don't remember that but okay so tell me more but it was essentially it was the 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 gist of the thing is that I guarantee they made all of its money from men getting home from the pub at 2 a.m. Like that yeah. was that was his audience. And it's incredibly clear. And the reason why that was his audience, because everyone had a phone and everyone could dial a number and then spend a load of money they didn't have and go wake up the next day and be like, wow, I have 45 quid on my phone bill from attempting to talk to right. Tara on the TV who did not talk to me. Um, but I spent that 45 quid. Cool. Shouldn't have done that. And they're never going to mention it again. And, which, and OnlyFans kind of has that thing where, you know, you can put in a credit card number and then get the thing that you want. If arguably yes. it's a, 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 a cleaner, slightly less grifty transaction. However, if you start putting it in the, in the blockchain, then it's like, well, what are you doing here? You're like, no. hey, so I am going to be drunk and horny about six hours. So I'm going to move some Ethereum. <laughs> To my MetaMask wallet, yeah, exactly. To my MetaMask wallet, it's so, and it's like, well, what are you doing here? It, it, and it's not, it's not good for payments, and it's not good for moderating either, because it's very bad for moderating. Uh, yes, any sort of moderation with the blockchain is bad, because whatever you put up there, it's very hard to remove. Just ask Disney about uh, knockoff Star Wars NFTs. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. Um, and we've already seen instances of like revenge pornography being used. Uh, on the blockchain. So that doesn't make any sense to me. And then, the, you know, there are more and more financial services that are trying to like tie crypto somehow to a credit card or whatever it is. But that goes back to the same problem, which is that like it's Visa and MasterCard. Yeah. That are, so you, I guess, I, I guess what OnlyFans to me really is other than like first and foremost, an issue about, how we think about sex work and how we sort of remove it from the rest of the conversations happening about labor and about compensation and about internet creators. Like we don't even think about sex workers as internet creators, but they are like, you know, OnlyFans creators probably require the same amount of production support that like the Kardashians do. Like they're what they're taking photos, they're cleaning them up. They're like, you know, making them look nice. They're posting them. They have a rollout strategy. They're like communicating with fans. Like that's just what an influencer does. And so we we removed that entirely. But then the other the other big issue with OnlyFans is that how do you build decentralized finance in a way that isn't annoying and complicated and defeats the whole purpose? I mean, that was what PayPal was supposed to be. All right, all right. I got I I, I got a question. I got a question. Assuming that this whole newsletter podcast thing does go 
excuse me, tits up. Uh, yeah. What and you have to start the OnlyFans. What plat? What platform are you using to promote it on? What, okay, wait. What do you think you're is saying, the most? You're saying effective? if I start selling nudes, yeah, in a hypothetical promote, world, you need to promote your OnlyFans somewhere. Which oh, platform are you using? Instagram. You think Instagram? So I think even though Instagram is the most aggressive about nipples and butts and all the rest of it, Instagram is the most visual still of all platforms, although it looks like they're changing that pretty soon because it's no longer a photo app or whatever the hell they're saying. But between stories, between reels, between all of it, all the tools you need for a visual business, Instagram. I would also start doing funny, relatable videos that I would simultaneously publish on both TikTok and Twitter. Okay, so I think TikTok is probably number one because of the scale of the audience and the potential for like algorithmic wins. And I think Twitter's the other one because I think that OnlyFans is ultimately not a visual medium. It only comes across a visual medium. It is a that's true. And and here's medium. and here's the thing. I mean, th- this is like sort of the 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 crazy thing about everything that we're talking about is that literally right now as we speak, Twitter is rolling out paywalls. They're rolling out super follows. The re- they're, they're rolling out a tip mechanism, and it's run by a guy who's obsessed with Bitcoin. <laughs> so yeah. it, it is literally – it is literally. I mean it, it, it is hard to imagine that Jack Dorsey has the foresight to be like, I'm going to build the ultimate OnlyFans killer. But he is the only guy in the game right now that has like the infinity gauntlet required to do this, which is like he is a, a free speech absolutist. He fucking loves Bitcoin. He allows – full-on pornography on his website he is really interested in rolling out like payment systems which is one of those things that everyone's kind of forgotten about like everyone kind of ignores but it's it's extremely there yeah i i will not call this person out but i follow someone who i don't know if they know that likes are public and it's been too awkward they're like a friend of mine and it's too awkward for me to say this but they routinely will go on blasts where they just like spend like an hour liking the most graphic gay porn. And like part of me is like, okay, like maybe they just know. And it's like, that's just like yeah. part of their deal. Okay. Fair enough. But like, I'll just be like minding my business on Twitter and all of a sudden it's just like, there's just like a dozen buttholes that come through my tweet. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, Oh, they, okay. They're doing that again. Sure. Um, no, I, I, Twitter is honestly in the weirdest way, like the, the, the solution for this. Yeah. Entirely possibly. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yes. <That's laughs> every, every conversation ends with Twitter is the solution for this. It's a bad conversation. Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? Um, I have. So I've been playing, uh, I've been playing Far Cry 5, uh, which is a game from a few years ago. Uh, the gist of which, I mean, I think it's fascinating to look back on now because basically the gist of it is, is you are someone who is dropped in a valley in, I think it's Montana, in America, in these, this area that has been overtaken by a far-right religious cult. Uh, but okay, this cool. was released in like 2018 so when it was first announced it was like hey the theme of this is gonna be a far-right religious cult taking over part of small town america 
It was like, uh-huh. oh, everyone knows what this is. We know what we're doing here. This is going to be quite fun. And when they released right. it, it wasn't that at all. Didn't mention Trump. Didn't have any influ- impression that there might be like a a bigger government thing to it. It was just kind of like, this is just a random bad thing that's happened in this, in this area that's entirely unrelated. And everyone got really mad at it. And at the time, I was playing other things with Dune and I didn't play it. And I've just come back to it in the last couple of weeks as I, I needed a game. Um, and so playing it now, I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't sit... I, I can see that you try to promote it like this and how bad you fucked up and you made your game really disappointing to everyone by promoting it in a way that it just wasn't. Which, I yeah, is interesting. That is interesting. I feel like there's like a whole like master's thesis to be written about like the media of the Trump era, like not living up to expectations or not being able to handle it or just like self-destructing underneath the pressure of it. Like, like the whole, like the whole Wolfenstein saga. Yes. Which you were super into. Cause you could like X. Ex- is that the game that ends with you executing Jimmy Fallon? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Essentially. Yeah. Yes. Like there's just like a, there's just going to be like a really weird, it's going to be a really weird period of history that hopefully we won't have to return to. But I mean, I guess like in the inevitable fascist takeover of America, we'll be like, okay, what worked, what didn't work? You know, what can we, what can we really pull back out here? Um, yeah, it's, um, it is fun, but it, yeah, watching this kind of thing where they're, they're saying, no, no, we, we, we were going to do this thing. And then they just like, they stepped back from it the last minute and therefore didn't do it. I thought it was interesting, but it also has, it has one specific thing that is, kind of kind of great which i've never actually seen another game do which is often with these sorts of games basically your job is to lead a resistance uh, against yeah. like the the area's leaders and stuff uh but as you go through the game it genuinely as you successfully lead the resistance it like genuinely changes the like feel of the areas that you're in because oh, usually it's just cool. kind of like it's kind of like oh the flag on the building has changed from the evil flag to the good flag but instead with this it's like you at the start of the game you have to when you're trying to capture a camp whatever you have you do it on your own and you're kind of like sneaking through because that's all you can do but by the end of it you pull up somewhere in a big truck with a big gun get out and then a bunch of people who you weren't with just sort of like appear from the hills to like take it with you oh it's like a real like uh like third hunger games book situation where you're like oh there's like a genuine rebellion happening here cool yeah exactly and that's something like very very few games i don't maybe the only one i can remember that really does feel like you're like oh shit there is there are other things happening here in the background that i am part of uh and it feels really organic which is yeah that's very cool that is cool how about you what kind of you consuming to stay sane all right, I'm going to play the Spoiler Zone song here because I watched the last Evangelion movie and I need to talk about it. Okay. And turn in the Spoiler Zone. The Okay, so if you if you don't know about this, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is one of the most famous animes ever made. It recently got all put on Netflix. The creator made four movies that redo the entire story, and the last one took like almost like ten years to come out. I, possibly even more. The first movie came out in two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So slowly along the way of these movies, it started to become a fan theory that. Every iteration of this story in every adaptation was somehow connected via a time loop. And this last movie sort of kind of confirms that every 
every adaptation and iteration of the Evangelion franchise across manga, video games, the whole thing does technically exist in the same looping thing. And that this movie then breaks the loop and literally ends with a scene of the main character entering non-anime real life, like actual anime, like actual real life. Oh. But the other problem with this story is that the last movie is slowly becomes a completely autobiographical story about the creator of this anime no longer wanting to do it anymore and just marrying his wife and getting over his depression. That's cool, I think. I think that's cool. It's cool. Like the whole the whole premise I think of Evangelion over the t- over time has become like stop being a weird anime fan and go outside. <laughs> and, it has, and 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 the source material sort of backs this up. Like it uses giant robots as a way to show the errors of like young men becoming otaku's. And so like the last movie has to involve the character Shinji, the main character, deciding to no longer pilot a giant robot. But he he then like makes basically a wish that makes giant robots never exist at all, thus breaking the loop of all of the adaptations of the franchise. Okay. It's cool. It's also just been like a thing that's been in my life since I was 14 years old. And so at like, you know, 31, I'm now sort of reeling from like that <laughs> in a good way. But it's like, it's a. It, that is a. Yeah, that is a quite a fundamental change, isn't it? It would be like if we got to like Avengers Endgame and the point be- very qu- quickly became like liking these movies is a waste of your life. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> I mean, it is. And like, I, I, you know, I'm self-aware enough to know that it is. And I'm not like one of the guys on Reddit in the Evangelion subreddit having a complete meltdown over the premise of the last movie. But it, it, it is a, quite a shock to the system to be like, the point of this entire story has always been that you need to go the fuck outside and grow up, which I thought you was need to touch grass. You need to go touch. Yeah. Imagine waiting 15 years <laughs> for one of your favorite <laughs> franchises to be like, the point all along was to go touch grass. So, you know, lots to think about there. But Talking of franchises, we should talk about what we're doing starting next week, uh, which will be the new series of post-post-credit scene, uh, which will be every Spider-Man movie currently existing, potentially including Venom, potentially including Spider-Verse. I don't think we've decided on those two yet. Uh, we haven't. I'm waiting to see. We need to do the maths on, on how long it's going to take us, I think. No matter what we're doing... The Maguire trilogy, we're doing the Garfield duology, and we're doing the MCU ones. We're probably doing Spider-Verse. We should talk about Venom. Either way, we're going to start it next week uh, because it has been confirmed that these movies are going to be connected in some way. Actors are returning. Uh, The Spider-Man No Way From Home trailer confirmed that at least we're getting Doc Ock, Alfred Molina Doc Ock. The multiverse is real in some way. Yeah, I saw a pumpkin bomb in there. I've seen a uh, screenshot that looks like a lizard's tail, so it could be the lizard from uh, one of them. I thought that the green thing rolling on the ground was a green goblin thing. Yeah, pumpkin bomb, yeah. Oh, that's a pumpkin bomb? Okay, cool. Yeah, It's yeah, a pumpkin yeah. bomb, yeah. But but someone did point out that it's a pumpkin bomb from the Andrew Garfield version of the Green Goblin. So I don't know if we're getting William Defoe. But either way, we're going to do this. Um, the other the other thing to keep on the horizon, uh, dear uh, content miners, is that Luke and I are finally going to go on a vacation. 
together. It's uh, we've been together <laughs> separately, uh, but at the same time, yeah. which is going to be great and very necessary for our brains. Uh, Garbage Day will be shutting down for a whole week because I need it, and this show will probably go dark for a week. We've tr- we've experimented with sharing like post post credit scene episodes and. I don't think people are into it, but also if you have feelings about that, let me know. I'm kind of curious, like what you'd want, whether it's just like a dead RSS feed or we put like a rerun or whatever. Um, but also, it will most likely not impact post post credit scene. That's something you guys pay for. We want to make sure that like that's coming out on time. So we're going to try to like get that in a place where there'll be no issue there. Um, and yeah, we'll have to see with No Way Home. It's in December. I haven't looked at like the whole thing to figure out how this would work, but I think we could do Venom, but. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think we may need to double up uh, like a week or something, but yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Cause the whole point is that basically for the, for the rest of the year, we're doing Spider-Man and then we've got to do the last matrix if, and when it comes out in December. Uh, and then we'll start talking about what we're doing after that. But I'm excited. To, I'm really excited to get into Spider-Man. I, I, yeah. these, Spider-Man one and two are in my mind, the two best superhero movies ever. And Spider-Man one was my favorite movie for a long time. I was dreading this rep until the trailer came out. <laughs> no, I'm still. <laughs> I mean, so, like up until earlier today, I was like, "Ugh, Spider Man's gonna suck." I really enjoyed doing the Matrix, which was like a different thing, and now I'm like back into it. I'm good with this. Let's do this. I mean, but the first, the first three Spider Men are Sam Raimi. Two of them are spectacular. The third one is so bad that it's good, and I feel like. I haven't actually seen the Andrew Garfield ones because by that point I was so ethically opposed to an, a reboot of Spider-Man that wasn't involved with the MCU that I was like, I'm boycotting these movies. So I've never actually seen them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think I've seen them all. And then Spider-Verse is one of the best movies ever made. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And I loved Venom. I thought, you know, Venom is what if Jim Carrey's Liar Liar involved a space alien and the bad guy was Elon <laughs> Musk. And so like, that's great. I know. I love all that. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm excited to start that journey. And if you want to check that out, that will be dropping next week at patreon.com slash the content minds. Um, cool. All right. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. All right. Bye.